What's up guys, Dalton here. Before we hop into this episode of the PT Coffee Cast, I just wanted to touch base with you and say thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Whether this is your first time listening or you've been rocking with us since day one, we appreciate your support. Every like, comment, share, subscribe, whatever it is, truly does mean the world to us and it continues to push us to put out the best possible content for you guys. Before we hop in, I just want to talk to you about our partnership with Physio Network. Physio Network is on a mission to improve physiotherapy standards worldwide. They do this through their research reviews. If you sign up, you'll get 12 research reviews per month in both written and audio form. Articles are selected and appraised by industry experts such as Sandy Hilton, Mary O'Keefe, Tom Goom. Um, former PT Coffee Cast guests such as Teddy Wilsey, Sam Spinelli, Jared Hall, Tom Walters, and plenty more. They're clinically relevant and recently published, and they take less than five minutes to read one review, saving you hours of work. This also solves that problem that we all struggle with. How do we stay up to date with the research? Physio Network has you covered. They also give you access to a members-only Facebook group, and you can do quizzes that will get you CEU points. They got it all. If you guys are interested in trying out Physio Network, you can start your seven-day free trial now by using the link in the show notes or our bio on Instagram. This will give you the option to play around, see what you like. Do you like listening? Do you like reading? And just seeing the amazing content that they give you guys, and then you will join because Physio Network is amazing. We love to hear from you guys. If you have signed up for Physio Network, please let us know how your experience has gone. We'd love to hear, and we can pass on that information to them. Also, we are super pumped to finally announce the release of the Movement Coffee Club. What is this, you ask? This is a way that you guys can continue to connect and support the PT Coffee Cast community. So we have three clubs available for you guys. We have the Espresso Club, which each month you will get a personal message from Will and myself thanking you for the support. The second club we have is the Cafe Club, where you get everything in the Espresso Club, as well as a shout-out on an episode, put on the list of the Coffee Club supporters, and a bonus episode each month. And then lastly, we have our favorite club, the Mug Club. You get everything in the first two clubs, as well as a PT Coffee Cast mug, a monthly coffee subscription of our own coffee blend, and a monthly Mug Club Zoom call. The reason why we put this club out is we want to continue to develop ways that we can connect with you guys, the community, as well as have an opportunity for you to support us, um, show us some love, and allow for us to continue to develop and put out the best possible content. You guys can support us for as little as $3 a month. This money is going to go directly back into the podcast for new things like audio equipment, video equipment for better video content, merch, coffee, everything's going to go back into the PT Coffee Cast so we can continue to provide you guys with some pretty cool opportunities. If you're interested in supporting us, you can check the link in our bio on Instagram at the PT Coffee Cast or at the Movement PTs and click the Coffee Club as well as in our show notes of each episode, we'll have a link there for you to head over and join. Guys, thank you so much for the continued support and we hope that you enjoy this episode of the PT Coffee Cast. Welcome to the Movement PT Coffee Cast, where we sit down and talk about physical therapy, health, and whatever else comes to mind during our coffee infused conversations.
What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the PT Coffee Cast brought to you by The Movement. My name is Dalton, and alongside me today is my beautifully bearded friend, William. William, how are we doing today? I'm doing good. We did a little uh, trip out to a nice coffee shop earlier this afternoon. Yeah, we had a little coffee date. Nothing wrong with that, eh? Yeah, it was nice. Nice to step away from the clinic and talk about things other than business. Mm, it was some good coffee too, eh? It was. Shout out to Duran <laughs> Coffee in Hamilton. Um, big fan. But uh, more importantly, today we have an amazing guest. Um, you know, we are a little bit biased, but we, we tend to think that Western University has one of the best PT programs. Um, and our guest today is graduating from the same class as us. I'm super pumped to have Nikki Garcia on the show. She is a physiotherapist for the Raptors 905. And I'm super pumped to talk to her about that. Nikki, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me guys. I'm very excited to be on your podcast. Just seeing it from fruition from when we were in class together and squished at Elborn to where it is now. It's great to be on here. Yeah, it's crazy to think about that, that we would, that we started way back when we were we were all young little students, you know? And it's been how many years since we've all seen each other? I'm trying oh. to think of the last time I saw it. Probably would have been graduation. graduation. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> but Nikki, why don't you start off? Maybe, you know, give a little introduction to yourself, a little Cole's note version of who you are, and then we'll dive into all the fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. So um, graduated Western PT with you guys. Uh, immediately after I did that, I did a fellowship with Fowler Kennedy Sport Medicine Clinic, which is the clinic in London, which was a one year fellowship where I worked primarily with Fanshawe College and their varsity athletics, also seeing general population within the Fowler Kennedy Clinic there as well. So that was a very intensive um, sport medicine world. Um, traveling with teams, being present for all home games and um, other events that were held at the college. And then after my fellowship, I ended up working for Fowler Kennedy um, and I was basically working there until the pandemic happened. And when the pandemic hit, I had already had plans to move back to the GTA. Um, so I ended up moving back to Mississauga, which is where I'm from. And I took two positions um, at private practice clinics in Toronto. And then after that, um, I ended up taking this job, <laughs> taking the job as a physiotherapist for the Raptors 905. And that's where I'm at now. Yeah. And I want to, you know, I obviously want to dive into the Raptors 905, but I want to start like maybe back when you, well, even just thinking of like when we graduated and then heading into like your fellowship, was the goal always to, you know, work for a, a sports team or was there other goals in mind as you were kind of graduating and moving into the physio space? So I think going into it, I always said to myself, I never wanted to work for a professional sport. So backtracking even a little bit more when I did my undergrad at McMaster, uh, I did, they have a really great internship and in sport medicine program there that I was involved with. And then after I graduated from Kin, I worked one year uh, under an athletic therapist who basically taught me everything I knew about the world of sport. And I, he had come from the professional world and there were other people that worked there who came from the professional world. And 
it's I'm not to say that it scared me, but I just realized in terms of my lifestyle and what I wanted, I wanted more of a balance. So that from a very early start, I kind of knew I, I thought I didn't want to go into professional sport, but I did love the sport environment at varsity athletics. So collegiate and U sport level, I did love that environment. So when I did the fellowship, I was as a kinesiologist back then when I was at Mac. Um, so I really want to take it to the next step when I did the fellowship where I was now a physiotherapist being the head trainer, basically kind of making the calls with these teams, obviously with some supervisors and some support around me, which was a great, great, great learning opportunity, especially being fresh out of school and not really having that much experience. And then, yeah, it just kind of went off from there. And then the fellowship, solidified the fact that I like to be in a sport environment, not necessarily working again in professional sport, but at least working with the athletic population or the active population, because I do find that there sometimes is there, there is a difference between general pop and active communities because yeah, <laughs> it's just active communities. There's a little bit more motivation with them and, and they're a little bit more goal set, um, goal-minded and I love working with those kind of people. Did you grow up playing basketball? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up playing basketball. So basketball was my main sport. Me and Dalton would go at uh, Western and play pickup sometimes. We had an intramural team. So at physio, uh, with the physio class there. So it was great. Um, and it just, I continued playing basketball, actually played intramurals at Mac, played intramurals at Western. Um, uh, when I was working and living in London, I joined a women's league that I played twice a weekend that I loved. So basketball is a big part of who I am and shaped me. Yeah. I mean, I've seen you play. You've definitely got game. <laughs> the question you, is, you. does Dalton, what do you think of Dalton's game? <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know what? Dalton's good. Dalton can put up some shots. He hustles. He's Dalton scrappy, hustles. eh? He's, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get the uh, the garbage points. Throw a couple solid <laughs> solid screens. Occasionally roll to the basket for an easy lay in. So, I uh, you know I play my role. I play my role. Good role player. Knows his role. Um, Nikki, what about like the sport or the team environment? Like, do you enjoy so much? The camaraderie, really. It's the team environment. Even when you you would probably kind of agree attest to this in clinics is when you have um a good support staff around you people that kind of lift you up um all have the same goal in mind it just kind of it gives you energy you know it just like makes everything feel a little bit more smooth it feels like it pushes you to be better um i love working in a team environment like knowing that i have um, support staff and teammates around me that i can lean on um, and vice versa, if they have questions, they can lean on me and working with athletes, it's people will usually think that it's like physiotherapist and athlete and kind of in that hierarchy, but you, you need to work together and similar in clinics, you need to work with your patient and your client and make sure you tailor it to them and get feedback from them and see how that works. So it's not that different from clinics, I would say it's just now in a team environment, you have a lot more staff available around you and yeah, I, I love it. It's, it's a great way to, to really learn, to be honest, and uh, feed off each other. I can imagine like the rewards being really high, you know, because like 
you're a big part of uh, that person's like ultimately like their success, right? And their potential to, you know, win as a team, but also like to to make it to that uh, right. show, right? But do you find like, how have you found that in terms of like, do you find there's pressure? Yeah, I would say there's definitely pressure when you when you look at it, the guys in the G League, like you said, they're trying to make it to the big show, they're trying to make it to the NBA. So they all have that grind and that hustle and they all want to make it there. And unlike clinics, I actually get to see these guys every day. So we can really progress their rehab and their exercises and and all of that on a day to day basis, which is great. But yeah, from the physio side, it is pressure. It's, we're not like, it's not quite the NBA where you're dealing with billion dollar assets, but you're still dealing with a decent amount of assets that you need to take care of. So um, there's that pressure, but I love it. It makes me again, like be on my game and make sure I'm doing everything that I can to help these guys. I'd be curious to hear a little bit about like, you know, the process of getting to where, where you are now. And we've, we've talked to um, some people who've dove into like the sport physio side of things. And, you know, there's always this notion of it's like a, it's a, it's a big grind. It's super intense. It's hard to get into um, requires a lot of like mentorship hours. Like how has that been for you? And then second to that, like when looking at like Fowler Kennedy, is that, like taking that um, apprenticeship, is that something that most people do when they want to get into like the world of sport or is there other routes that people can take? Yeah. So I would say I've been very fortunate in my career so far, just being surrounded by sport medicine. Um, it really started at McMaster, to be honest. I gained so much experience there on field and in clinic. Um, I was a field therapist, student field therapist. Um, so the program at McMaster is actually really interesting because at Western, they have a very similar program, but you can only do it in your fourth year and it's counted as a course. Um, at McMaster, it's something you could do as of your second year and it's not a course. So it's actually additional hours on top of your regular schoolwork. So you have to be really someone who's interested in that field, um, is really dedicated and committed to learning because you can learn a ton, um, but know that you're also adding four, four maybe five hours um, a day because you're doing this field, um, field um, therapist internship. So I had done that in my, I believe my third and fourth year where I worked with uh, field hockey, and baseball, actually, I did it in my fourth year where I worked primarily with field hockey. And then when I had graduated, I had worked with a bunch of other teams like football, women's basketball, um, baseball. Those were all a lot of teams that I had seemed to work, um, work with. And what I would say is it, it takes up a lot of your time to work with sports. Unless you're getting paid, it's hard to get that sport hours and that experience. So when I was a student, not getting paid anyways, I was paying my tuition. Like for me, it was very, I was like, you know what? I'm not getting paid anyways. I'm gonna, I'm gonna work this out. I'm gonna work for free. I'm gonna get great. Um, I'm gonna learn a lot from this. Um, so that was kind of the mindset I had. And then going into physio school, what's great about the Fowler Kennedy program is that, hey, now I could actually work in sport, but get paid a little bit. Like that's what made it enticing. And although I had that sport experience in the past, 
Um, it wasn't to the extent of being an actual physiotherapist where I can actually make calls, make treatment plans, do man like have manual work, hands-on work, things like that. Um, so it was great to gain some independence and some ownership during the fellowship, but also have, again, mentors around you who can coach you through certain things that you might not have seen before, teach you um, certain techniques you can do, uh, things like that. Uh, it was a ton of hours during the fellowship. I think I worked 40, 60 hours a week uh, travel. I remember one, I think it was between February and March. I was literally on the road for five weeks straight with different teams. Like it was, it was it's super crazy. So the fellowship was great because again, I was working those hours, but also getting a little bit paid for that. Whereas if I, what I would say now is if people want to work in sport and get that experience, they're committed to like 35 hours at a clinic and they have bills to pay. They have their student loans to pay, their cars to pay with rent, mortgage, whatever you're paying right now. They don't have that additional hours that they can contribute to get sport hours, but also mentors. It's, it's hard to get a mentor at that point as well, because you might say you're volunteering for your local football team, but you don't have that mentor on field with you to say like, hey, this is what we would do in this case. You're just still kind of on your own. And then you have to kind of look back at it after. So that's one great thing about a fellowship is that, again, you have those mentors easily accessible to you and you have that support near you. Um, and then you're also getting slightly paid for the work that you are doing in sport. How did you end up getting that job? <laughs> and then like, take, take us through that experience, you know, like, what was that like? Yeah. So <laughs> again, I never thought I would work in professional sports. So what ended up happening is someone had posted the job posting on, um, on a group and I ended up opening it being like, Oh, I'm in Mississauga 905, like so sick. And I read the job responsibilities and the roles and everything. And I was like, I could literally check mark everything off the bucket list being like, I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. I've done that. And it was because of the fellowship and it was because of my experience at McMaster that I could check those things off the roles and responsibilities. So I, I didn't feel afraid at all. I was kind of like, yeah, why don't I just give my resume? I'm just going to submit it and see what happens because I'm sure there have been other times where you've read a, a res, um, like a job posting and it'd be like, certain things that you might not have experience in me like, oh, damn, I have no shot at this. But for this job posting, I actually felt pretty confident in. So I ended up that same night, actually, because I think when I saw the job posting, it was up for another week. Um, but I was going away and I was like, if I don't do this this night, I'm not going to do it. So I just like quickly revamped my resume, wrote a quick cover letter and submitted it. And then I think it was a week and a bit after I... <laughs> Uh, got a, I got a notification because of the system that they use saying that your resume is being reviewed right now. So I was like, oh, okay. So like this system actually works. It's being reviewed. And then two days after that, and I could talk about this experience because I thought it was really funny. I ended up telling the people who called me this too. But around this time I was getting, I don't know about you guys. Do you guys get a lot of spam calls like from random places? So I get maybe two to three spam calls daily. And so I was in clinic work. I ended up getting a call at like, say, 7 p.m. The address said New Jersey or New some sort of American 
American place. Um, but the, app, the phone number was like a 647 number. So I was like, oh, this is spam. Like this has to be spam. I literally just like didn't answer it because I was, this is a spam. The next morning, the same number ended up calling me still from like an American number, but a 647 uh, starting. So in my head, and I was also in my head, I was like, okay, I need to pick up this phone or else they're going to continue calling me. So I picked up the phone, not, not with a good, nice voice at all. I was just like, hello, thinking that I was going to hang it up, right it right when it happened. And truthfully, I didn't hear the first like five seconds of what he was saying. And then all I heard was with the Toronto Raptors. And we really, really impressed with your resume. And that's when I like clued in to the phone call. I was like, hello hi I was like hi yeah sorry yeah I'm, I'm still interested like it was it was such a, I was so mad that morning being like whoa I really have to hang up on this guy and then it ends up being a call that could change my career so <laughs> I ended up telling it telling that to the guy who called me and be like I legit thought you were spam your phone number is messed up you need to fix that <laughs> so, so um yeah I got the call and then it was a lengthy interview process there was like about three interviews um about a week to two weeks spread apart and um each interview was more and more just progressing down the line. And the first interview was the most intimidating for me. I had not um, expected to see um, Alex McKechnie, who's the director of performance and sport medicine for the Toronto Raptors. He was in the first interview and like just seeing him really caught me off guard because I thought he'd be like down the line in, in the interview, but he was in the very first one. Um, so uh, I fortunately felt really good, really, really good after that first interview and then made it down the line. And then I was offered the position. Yeah, that's amazing. Like one, that story is hilarious. Um, I get many spam calls and I probably would have figured yeah. the same thing was happening. So that's hilarious. I'm happy that you decided to pick it up. It seems like it was a good call. Um, and then, yeah, like that interview process must've been like, well, take us through that a little bit more. Like how, how, you know, how did you overcome that? Like that must've been a high pressure situation, you know, like, was it just like you felt confident in your skills, you know, being in that position before, like take us a little bit through what that, that experience was like for you. Did, you, did we break up with you, Nikki? Yeah, sorry. They were just freezing up a little bit there. Um, so yeah, the interview process, the first one was about an hour and it was a mix of um, clinical questions, personal questions, questions about who I am, um, my experiences, scenario questions. It was just like they threw everything at me. Honestly, it was like hands down the toughest interview I'd ever been in. Um, but somehow was able to keep poise and just stuck true to what I believe in my own clinical practice, um, provided some great examples of, and again, it, it goes down to the experience or my past experiences that I had a lot of examples of that I could use in the interview process that they're like, oh yeah, like that's exactly what I would do in that case too. Like, oh, this person has experience in this. And um, so that was the first interview, uh, basically just with the, the medical staff. So it was a lot more scenario questions, clinical questions, which was great. And then the second interview went up the chain. So started to interview with some VPs and GMs 
And then after that went up the chain again, or so that was VPs and GMs for the 905. And then the next step was GM of the Toronto Raptors and um, uh, and also other members of the Toronto Raptors. So just kept going up and up. <laughs> um, but I would still say that first interview definitely was the hardest. Um, so it's, when I look back at it, I remember how I felt after, but I also remember how I felt during and I was sweating. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, like, wow. Like, I hope they like this answer. I hope they, I hope they don't think I'm crazy or that this is exactly what I wouldn't do. Like they even asked this question, asked me a question about like, what do you think about manual therapy? Or like, what do you think about dry needling? And those are all questions that even in physiotherapists and private practice, we all, we all deal with those questions, right? Like we all, so it was kind of nice to see that how they, what they value and what their philosophies are aligned with what I was kind of feeling as a clinician. So no, that's super that's cool. cool. I know you have like lots of good thoughts on, on that kind of stuff. It's cool to hear that they were asking questions like that. You know, it wasn't like, it doesn't sound like they were looking for someone that just did certain things that looked like they were looking for someone who, you know, who thinks. Yeah. Like no, for sure. Reasoning and stuff. I, I wouldn't have necessarily known that. That's, that's super cool to hear, but yeah. it sounds like you uh, answered the questions pretty good. I mean, like how long have you been working with them? Uh, since October 1st. Has the yeah. time just been flying by or? Oh my God. Yeah. It's been flying by. I can't believe it's already Christmas in a couple of weeks. Like I, we are gone on a road trip. Like this week we had, this week we have three games. Today was one game. And then we leave on a road trip from December 13 to like 22. And then we're back for a week. And then we're back on the road from like the first to the ninth. Like it's, it's really picking up the first month, actually October, November wasn't too bad, but man, it's, it's getting really busy now it must be like so much different than just like working in a clinic, you know, like that. some, I don't, I have no idea what your job's like, and I'm sure tons of people don't either. Um, Maybe you could take us through like one day and then maybe what a week is like. Yeah. So I guess in a day, what we would be doing is say if it's a practice day. So I would be going in to practice an hour, an hour and a half before practice starts so that I can get things ready and um, treat guys that need to get treated. Then practice would be for about two to three hours. And then um, post-practice, again, treatments for what guys need, need anything. And then that's it really, which is pretty nice for a practice day. So I think on a practice day, it's about six hours or so. Um, and then a game day. What does it, sorry, sorry to interrupt. What does that like, uh, what does that treatment look like? You know, like before practice, like, you know, what are you working on with the guys? Um, and then like, even after, is there a difference between pre and post treatment? Yeah. So I, I guess it's, it's, a lot because of the time constraint. So, uh, or time constraint. So, um, usually pre-practice it will be lingering like general aches and soreness. Um, 
things like a casual flush or a warm up or something so that they can get ready to get onto court. If it's a guy that we're rehabbing and injured and isn't on court right now, then that treatment looks a little bit different where we'll do their uh, rehab exercises, like their home, exor- their home exercises, but would we would do it with them so that we can actually see them um, as well as like the manual therapy or like whatever else they need for hands-on stuff. Um, I work very closely with the head trainer who is, uh, has an SNC background and he focuses a lot on the SNC. Um, so it's kind of nice. We do a good trade-off where he does a lot of exercises and activations, the guys pre-practice, and I get a lot of hands-on stuff, um, and doing a lot of warming up with the guys and then post-practice, um, it's things that might've happened during practice. Like guy gets hit in the quad or a guy jams his finger or the ankle that, was bothering them is now bothering them more after practice. So we'll reassess it, things like that. So it's more reactionary, I guess. It seems like the big difference too, is like one, like you're working with a whole team of people, like the athletic therapist sees an injury on the court, then they come in, you're assessing the injury. You're kind of coordinating. You're talking about like talking with the strength condition, strength and conditioning coach, but then also it's every day and you're with them. Like that's totally different than, you know, our job where like, we're trying to figure out how can people do this stuff at home? It's like, you get, it's different in that sense, is it not? Oh, it's, it's very different. And it it is an adjustment. Like even when I was doing the fellowship and working at McMaster, I would say I was never, I wasn't necessarily seeing people every day. Like these guys would maybe come every, every two days or every, like every three days, something like that. There was gaps and spaces between me seeing someone, but now I literally see them every day. So some things that have changed is the way I see timelines and like, I like, I forgot sometimes like, oh, wait, it was only last week that this happened where it feels like it was an eternity ago that say someone injured their hand or something like that. It's like, oh, wait, no, it's, it was only just a week. So this is normal in, in regular healing timelines, but it might not be normal in when we're thinking about this guy needs to play in a week. Right. Yeah. That would be an adjustment for sure. Your whole like evaluation and everything would change because now you're like, you're able to like, obviously you're not going to have people not doing the stuff that you're recommending, you know, because they're coming in, you're checking in before. And you can also see like, how did, how did you respond to what we did like on an everyday basis? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's really nice to see. Yeah. The effectiveness of things literally the day after and see trends and stuff like that. It's been great. It was, it was an adjustment at first, but now it's, because I was like, why am I seeing, why am I treating him again? Like I just saw him yesterday, but it's like, no, this is, this, that's the, that's the joy of working in this kind of world that we do actually have the ability to see them every day. Right. And we don't have to worry about insurances running out or like financial problems or anything like that. So obviously on top of like the day-to-day stuff, like I'm assuming if like a guy has like a longer term injury, let's say like overcoming like an ACL tear or something like that, you're, you're following them along like a program of care as well. Like you're, you're obviously heavily involved in that. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. So, um, me and the strength, me and the head trainer work very, very closely and make sure we're coordinating so that we're not duplicating things that he might be doing. We discuss the return to play, like, um, 
stages that we want them to see like, okay, today we're going to, we want this guy to do 45 minutes of this and the next day. Okay. If he responds, well, let's do a hundred minutes. Uh, uh, I mean, hundred minutes, an hour of this, and then I'll do um, a heavy lift. Cause like you're obviously you're not heavy lifting every day. Like you have to spread that out. And then I have to say, okay, well then the next day after that, we'll do rehab exercises with me. Like it's a lot of back and forth and collaborating and um, it's been going extremely well. We actually had a guy um, who is a project. He actually tore his ACL in the bubble last season where the head trainer was there and was with, was with him. And when we got him, I think he was about, he was far down. He was at that return to play stage. So we had to make sure he was getting back, um, making sure we're managing his loads, uh, limited minutes, things like that. Um, and now he's officially back to playing with no restrictions, which is great to see. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously there's some, op- there's some clear to me benefits of like working in this population, right? Like they're obviously all motivated. Uh, you get to see them every day, right? Um, you're, you're in that collaborative environment, but I'm also interested to hear like, what are the challenges that you found in this, like working with high level athletes where, you know, this is their job? Yeah. Uh, I would say right now, uh, specifically spe- speaking with the 905 is they, we have maybe 12 players on average, eight to eight to eight to 12 players. Um, and we, there's two of us, there's me, the head, there's me, the physiotherapist, and then the head trainer. And it's only us two to take care of 12 guys, which like, when we look at a clinic day, you might be seeing between eight to 12 people a day. But when we're thinking about time restrictions, that's an eight hour day. So we have to see eight to 12 people within a one and a half hour span or two hour span before they hit practice. So it's a lot of trying to, okay, who, who's really important, who do we really need to see, see today and make sure that they get seen. Um, it's just, there's so much work to be done and there's only two people on the medical side. There's obviously a lot of help from operations and um, from front office and stuff, but on the medical side, it's, it's a lot of work to be split between two people. And that's where we really lean on each other. And it's really good to have great teamwork skills and communication. Um, I would say another, maybe another struggle at the G league, I guess, or at the nine Oh five or just in professional sports in general is like, I guess, navigating the like relationships between like, uh, or communication is also really big because you need to make sure everyone's on the same page with the GM to the head coach, making sure who, um, who they know is available, who isn't available. Um, and just trying to make sure you're doing what's best for the athlete and not getting pressured into giving in and saying like maybe pushing up the timeline because we're short on guys or something like that. So um, that has been a struggle. I wouldn't say it actually has been a struggle, but it's something that I've had to adjust to and transition into and be like, no, I know he needs another day. Um, We're going to keep him out for another day or something like that. Yeah. I could see that being challenging for, for anyone, but, you know, obviously being a little bit of a younger clinician and newer, like, you know, having to take on that leadership role and then take responsibility for that. Like I could definitely see that being hard at times to, uh, to navigate. Okay. Wait, is, is that Drake? 
(laughs) (laughs) I would have picked it up if it was, but no. (laughs) (laughs) Just wait. Hold on one second. On the phone with Drake. (laughs) (laughs) We can wait. We can wait. Um, Yeah, no, it must be. It must have uh, definitely takes like a lot of confidence and um, but I mean, it's a testament to your repetitions and your work and putting in the, the work to, to feel confident. I'm sure, I'm sure it's like not easy all the time, but, um, yeah, that's, that's cool to hear. Yeah. And I, I would say it has been getting, it's getting easier with time, right? It's, this is a new environment for me, um, working at professional sports and you always go into these things. Like you probably even also have like an idea of like, it's so glamorous up in professional sports and you get all, you probably guys fly private and all that stuff. I was like, no, we fly commercial. Like in the G League, we are not like, there's not a ton of money to be spent. We're we're here to develop the players and, and it's not just the players, coaches are developing, the medical staff is developing. For everyone involved in this environment, the goal is to make it to the big show. So it's unfortunately the Raptor, when you're at the Raptors, yes, that's it's a little bit, it's a little bit better. But here it's it really is a grind and it's not as as glamorous as people might think. So it it was a way, I wouldn't say it was a wake up call, but it was very, very much of an adjustment transitioning from clinic and then going into this field. Because again, I had that idea of like, oh, it's going to be glamorous. It's going to be this and that. And it and it wasn't really that. <laughs> that being said, do you think there's things about the Raptors organization in particular that they do well? I, you know what, so coming from being a development team and working with the mother team, uh, we do, we actually do a lot of collaboration with them. It's, it's really great when you look at some other teams, their G League team or their development team isn't really cl- that close to their mother team, like what Philadelphia's team is in Delaware, um, like things like that. They're not in the same city. So for us to get to Toronto, which is like 30, 40 minutes max. Like we can practice at their facilities. The guys that are coming down are on assignment with us, like Delano or um, or Isaac who get sent down to us. It's very easy for us for that transition to happen because of our proximity, which is amazing. And that just helps get them more repetitions, helps with their development. Um, whereas again, some other teams in the G League don't have that. Like their teams are like an hour apart. So it wouldn't make sense for them to um, send guys down to practice with the nine, with their G League team and then play in the game later that evening. Like it's it's because of how close the 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 coaching uh yeah how close the facilities are and our cities are. It it really is a great um, a great thing for the development of these guys. Yeah, I mean, it seems like we're on the outside looking in, but it does seem like they place a lot of value in the development itself yeah like we were uh the 905 was the franchise of the year i think i 2019 or 2021 or maybe it was that it was just this past year that we were named the franchise of the year because we do such great things with these athletes like you look at um, Pascal and you look at Fred Van Fleet who spent some time at the 905 you look at Malachi Flynn that spent some time at the 905 there's a lot of guys that Norman Powell there's like a lot of guys that spend time down here and end up being big role players in the NBA now being like being from the area and being a basketball fan growing up like was Toronto your 
your team growing up? Like, have you been a fan of the Raptors? Like, I can't remember. Yeah. So I think you just naturally growing up here, you have to be a fan of the Raptors, but I've always said, I'm a big fan of LeBron James. So wherever, and people will give me shit for saying that, but wherever LeBron James has been playing, I've been a fan of where he was more so just of him. Like I was a fan of him. So if he played when he was in Miami, I was hoping Miami would win because I wanted him to hit it. But I would also cheer for the Raptors. So it was always conflicting when, say, Miami played Toronto or LA is playing Toronto, things like that. Okay. Now, what is, like, <laughs> what is, uh, what is your, your goals, Nikki? Like, you know, obviously you, you've accomplished, like, getting on the team um, with the 905 and, like, you know, that's amazing. Is there things that you want to continue to develop in your own career and for yourself as you move forward? Yeah. So I would say my goals right now is to just embrace this experience as much as I can and really just focus on the process and where this is going to take me. Um, I, I couldn't tell you what I, where I want to be in two years or five years or 10 years, because I understand that an opportunity like this doesn't come around often. So I'm just trying to soak it all in and do the best that I can and learn as much as I can from the organization network, get some mentorship from people who've been in the league for a really long time. Um, just truly embrace this opportunity um, and then just let the cards play out how they're going to be because I just mentality wise I've always more so enjoyed the process over being focused on the goal and again because opportunities like this don't come often I'm just trying to be in be in the present right now and really just soak it all in. That's a great answer. <laughs> a couple rapid fire questions for you. Fire yeah. Up. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Who's your favorite all-time Raptors player? Kyle Lowry. Oh, nice. All right. Favorite Raptors moment. Come on. Championship. The shot. The when they won. Just that whole series, all of it. Like that's the first time Toronto gets a ring. That entire summer, we'll say June 2019. <laughs> oh, yeah. There we go. Okay. Last one. Last one. Favorite Drake song. <laughs> That's so hard. There's so many good Drake hey, songs. Hey, this is an interview and you have to have an answer. This is yeah. like you're interviewing for the 905. <laughs> you wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say that to them. All right. The only like, because it's just been playing a lot lately just girls want girls okay that's 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 a song right now that's the song right now sounds yeah. good love it that's i was I, I was not pre- <laughs> i was not prepared for that rapid fire question <laughs> i was not either i was not either great rap. um just to wrap up nikki like i i have probably maybe two more here um yeah. You know, one being like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, like you never saw yourself being in professional sports and now you're in professional sports. Like, has that, why did that mindset shift happen? And is that something that you feel like, you know, you're now going to continue to pursue within it? Obviously you just talked about how you want to be in the moment and all that, but I'm just curious, like what made that kind of switch for you? So, yeah, I think what switched was, so again, I don't think I would go in professional sports if one, it wasn't for basketball. Like I love playing it. If it was like NHL or if it was a, um, 
or baseball or something like that, or soccer, I probably wouldn't have had that much of an interest, but because it was basketball, that was the first thing. And then it was also the 905, which is my hometown. And so I think the 905 has also done a great thing for growing the game of basketball in my own community. And I love that and getting that engagement up. And I think giving back to your community is huge. So I already aligned with the Raptors 905 and their, their um, philosophy. And then going, reading the roles and responsibilities and being like, oh, I actually have that experience. So I wasn't intimidated by the job hosting. It was one of those ones where I was like, oh, okay, like I can do this. Um, and then another thing was just looking, looking at where I am in my career right now. Like you said, like I'm, I'm still fairly new in my career. We're about three years out and I don't have kids. I'm not married these kind of opportunities don't come often. It was one of those things where I was like, if I don't do it now, I won't be able to do it later because who knows when this opportunity is going to come up again. And I have a chance right now and I still have the energy that I have to kind of give it that all that I can. So uh, that's, I guess it was a combination of things. It was the right team, the right time. And I was fortunate enough to see the job posting. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, no, I, when I, uh, when I originally saw like you post about getting the job, like I wasn't surprised at all, just knowing your personality and just knowing your work ethic and, and just mm -hmm. even like reflecting back on physio school, like, you know, having, you know, you could tell you had a passion for working with athletes and being in sport and all that stuff. So when I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, this, this makes total sense. And it's, it's hype to see like you doing that at such a young, young stage in your career, because like, you know, like us being young as well, like the development is, is endless. Right. So, um, it'll be amazing to like check back in and, you know, a couple of years from now and, and see, see where you're at. Definitely. And I appreciate that. I, um, yeah, I'm very excited to see where this will take us in the next couple of years or so. So I'm very excited. And if the 905 ever need a guy that's going to come in and, you know, work a couple hard minutes, <laughs> put a couple put, put a couple big screens on someone roll the basket maybe take a couple fouls you know yeah, you're a hustler you're a role player right let, yeah. let them know let them know <laughs> around i got a guy okay i got a guy nikki thanks Definitely. so much for coming on appreciate it why don't you leave uh where people can find you on instagram i know you put out some content there and um yeah yeah, no problem. So um, I have my physio professional account um, on Instagram. It's just Nikki dot Nikki G dot PT. So N I K K I G period PT. And you can find me on Instagram. You could hit me up if you have any questions. I'm pretty friendly, um, but don't be offended if I don't respond right away <laughs> um, over the, especially the next couple months, it's a little bit busy. <laughs> Awesome, Nikki. Yeah, thanks. And, and if you are listening to this and you're interested in getting into like sport physio, like Nikki would be the person to contact as you just heard all of her like experience and she's done a great job of kind of getting herself into the position that she is now. So definitely reach out to her. Yes. William, you got anything? Nope. Nikki, thank you so much. It was awesome. Yes. Thanks for having me. It was great connecting with you guys again.